welcome to the second part of this special Knit British episode about Ewist Wool. In part one, we met the director of Ewist Wool, Dana McPhee, who talked about the background of Ewist Wool and the growth from a research project to now being a trading community benefit company. Now we meet mill manager Hazel Smith, who's going to take us on a tour of the mill. Hazel is not from Uist, but it was while studying at Sheffield University almost five years ago that she first came to visit the Western Isles and which eventually led her to move to the Hebrides. Hazel first worked with the RSPB in Uist on the Macher project, which studied traditional crofting on the rare Macher grasslands, very particular to the Western Isles, which supports a huge diversity of wildlife. Hazel had been involved in some of the training days offered by Uist Wool, and when the full six-week training course was offered, Hazel jumped at the chance to join. Soon after, she joined the team as mill manager. We go around the mill from woolshed to washhouse to mill floor to shop and we meet some of the staff and watch them at work. You can see some of my images from this at the show notes at knitbritish.net. A word on sound. This is a working mill, so people are at work, machinery is working, there is background noise, adjust your volumes if required. I was keen to get an idea of the journey that wool takes through the mill and so naturally we started in the wool shed. There are two other buildings in addition to the newly built mill and wool centre. The wool shed is one and the wash house is another. There are also some windmills on the site too. The wool shed is a half-moon Nissan hut and the wash house is a rebuilt stone byer. When we get up to the wool shed, Hazel's dog Marple greets us and you can hear her adding her opinion in <laughs> while we're chatting in the wool shed once or twice. Now, no croft is complete without a, a bath. Without a bath, I find this absolutely essential. Wherever you yes. go. Hello! Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hello. <laughs> yes. Hi. Hello. Wow. A wee bit empty at the moment. We're about to start clipping again, obviously. So, well, not us, but you Croft is the island. Fiona's just been doing a, a rejig uh, this last few days, sorting it out, getting space ready for next year. Doing so what's space, the process but... then? Do you go out and buy or do the crofters come to you? We go out and buy. Um, so we advertise the crofters' contactors and we go out to them. Fiona goes out to them specifically and while she's there she will say what she wants, what we'll take and uh, leave behind what we won't. Mm-hmm. Very sort of nominal sort of initial grading, yeah. And, uh, you know, we try not to take, <laughs> you know, we try to leave behind the dags and the bits and that sort of thing. So, and then once it's here, there's a real sort of proper grading done. They use nine grades and the wool is categorised as S, M and L. Short staple, three inches or less. M, medium, three to six inches staple. Or long, which is six inches or longer. Then these are numbered one to three 
depending on whether it's a soft, crisp or coarse handle. Dana says the M1, medium staple, soft handle, is what they like to reserve for knitting yarn. And this wool grading system was developed with the help of Stephen Ballinger, who is now a freelance fibre consultant, but was regional manager with the British Wool Marketing Board. The the joy of it being so small is that, you know, we can pick a fleece apart to two grades, or we can say, okay, that bit's M1, we have our own system, that bit's um, maybe S1, or it's M2, so we'll separate them into two, and it it means that we can be really sort of... uh, sort of close mm-hmm. about what we um, what we're choosing it's this is all wool that's from from us yes especially what's here mm-hmm. we do buy fiber in that um, we can't get here so something a bit more specialist um shetland we don't mm-hmm. any shetlands here um, are there not no i think there's like maybe three <laughs> i just um, thought this would be in perfect landscape for shetlands absolutely but maybe the sort of the word on the street is oh shetlands in trouble you know <laughs> <laughs> that could be true yeah, that so. could be true <laughs> um, so it's kind of not very popular so we buy those from sky we've got a crofter on sky that gives us the shetland mm-hmm. and um the scottish merino um uh, which wouldn't survive here it's not really tough enough islands so we buy that from Aberdeenshire and we buy some fartbless as well um the highlands but there are quite a lot of fartbless here too so not quite enough uh, for what we would want usually so buy a bit more does anybody ever want to have their own commission wool spun they do we initially started trying that Mm -hmm. or said that we would try that but at the moment our business model is that we need to be able to spin and sell for ourselves um we don't really have the capacity to do that at the moment do you think it'll be something that you'll possibly yeah possibly Mm -hmm. but really the model that we're working to is to generate the the broking process rather than spinning for crofters so and can you um, say anything about what you pay for for fleece is do you have a model for that as well do you go with what the british Wool marketing board auction no we pay higher prices than the uh, marketing board do specifically because we can sort so meticulously we can say much more specifically that okay it's maybe a bit of a course of fleece but there's some nice stuff in there as well we can definitely use that and we can offer a premium for dark fleece, which the marketing board doesn't care about at all. No. So, you know, we, we can offer a much better price. And that's really the model that we built around in the first place, was getting some some market back into the crofting for um, for the yeah. fleece. So, Amazing. So yeah, good. That's kind of a really important bit for yeah. me, I think. And, and sort of getting crofters thinking about a different market for their, their sheep as well. Yeah. It's it's not going to be the market, but it's, it's about sort of, um, generating a bit of sustainability for me having previously worked for the RSPB that there's perhaps you don't need to have just the meaty sheep that you can you can also have sheep with the fleece that are a bit more um, you know uh, landscape management friendly and mm-hmm. sort of the, um, are a bit more browsing sheep and that yeah. graze better in the land so and just making them see that there is you know people who will value their wool in a yeah. totally different way than how they see it yeah. you know mm-hmm. that's an incredibly eye-opening thing I think for yeah. a lot of people who have been used to just burning it or burying it or using it for slug repellent just you know sewing it into the bag and dumping it at the end of the road you yeah know, does do anybody it. sell to the marketing board yeah. Do uh, yeah quite a lot of people still do um lorry comes around once a year but we can offer better prices and it, it makes more sense and if you know we can slowly turn people around and, and try and encourage people to, to sell to us instead then that's 
but definitely it, better in the long run but yeah uh, you know it's it's everybody's choice so <laughs> exactly yes yeah <laughs> joking and dog groans aside selling fleece to the mill really can garner much more return for the crofter for example prices for blackface fleece per kilo set by the British Wool Marketing Board auction fetches around 60 pence per kilo. Suffolk, 82 pence per kilo. So this gives you an idea of how much the crofter could expect if they send their fleece to the mainland to go to auction. So trying to show the value and benefits of selling to the mill for that reason is wonderful. The production of that wool into yarn is incredibly local, isn't it? I use the hashtag lovelocalwool all the time on social media. I say it at the beginning of every episode. There's particularly a lot to love about that here at Uist Wool. I also love the fact that nothing goes to waste here. The colours in that fleece made me made me gasp slightly. There's <laughs> lots of colours in that fleece. I think that's just a, a cotted one. A few bags at the top of just self-felted fleeces that uh, eventually will sort of comb and wash up and we'll try and sell for rugs but uh, they're just sort of lovely objects they are the colors yeah. are incredible absolutely really incredible yeah the amount of variety you get it's wonderful yeah. that's the amazing thing i think you know working with natural colors mm-hmm. that, it, that there's just so many different colors that you can get it's just so enjoyable you know coming yeah. to U.S. wool and only being here for a year employed I obviously have seen it through its process mm-hmm. too here but I've seen a huge change in the way that I knit and the way that I, yeah. I purchase yarn and that sort of thing I still like colour and yeah. I, I like colour to complement the grey and it's, yes. it's um, but you find that natural colours suit every skin yes, tone absolutely. you know it's like you can't really go wrong you can't really go wrong with it but mm. it's true I think I think that's the same just for me even just only buying British, I am a different knitter now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a slower knitter because I want, you know, I'm more of a so process knitter yeah. now. And yeah, I still get people saying, British wool, is that not all scratchy? And is that yeah. not all mm-hmm. brown? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's all brown. Well, yeah, but there's 50 shades of brown. <laughs> so it comes in here, yeah. and, and then what happens? Well, then it's graded. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so is that done here? We have uh, a couple of doors, old doors and trestles, uh-huh. uh, usually laid out um, at that time of year uh, and it's all done from there, um, just out on the tables and then sorted into these sacks. Uh, the tote bags are all generally organised into grading and breeds and colours and you know we've got bought a load of Shetland recently and that was graded into all the nuances of colours so there's light grey, there's dark grey, there's grey brown, there's white, there's whitey grey. Amazing! <laughs> it may all get blended in the end but it's all graded that yeah. way so, so that we can then say okay so we've got this it's about the same length and softness as that one we could blend them together that would be nice and you know the the bounce in that one will go really nicely with the sort of smoothness that, of that. that all that yarn specification starts in here then yeah. you just think yeah like piecing things together absolutely yep Uh, maddie and i will come up here and look at what we've got left and sort of piece things together and maybe make a list and sort of try and uh, talk around what we'll what we'll spin so yeah i see clen there yes there's some clen yep um on the hill that you can see out the back window they graze them on the farm up there that's amazing it is um not seen a lot you know in the yarns it's really lovely nice stuff so yeah it's I wouldn't have expected to find that here. 
Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, but I mean, they're great hill sheep. Yeah. They're good with rain. Wales is pretty rainy. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the potential in here. Oh, I know. I know. It's, it's, it's a fun place to be. When it's chock a block with fleece as well, it's just a smell and there's, yeah, it's, wow. it's fantastic in here. So uh, once we've graded and it's been stored for a while, if we're going to start a yarn uh, and we know what's coming next, it will go through the picker. So we've got this uh, wee machine, which is essentially a mini fear naught. This has seen is, some action. Yeah, I think it's 1920s piece. I like to call them pieces. And like a lovely sculpture. Yes, yeah, kinetic sculpture. <laughs> this gorgeous blue with sort of rusty patches I'm a fan poking of a ru- through. A bit of a rusty yeah. painted metal. It's, it's, <laughs> such a, a vintage piece yeah Love it. and it's got these monster teeth that um, does fearsome yeah. yes so this will just pull uh, the fleece apart into a much more manageable you know sort of cloudy yeah open it up ready for washing and it comes into these blending boxes not that we blend in here but i love opening the door and you've got this big draft <laughs> of just cloudy stuff that you're just going throw yourself into and then it'll come across to the wash house so it's now time to go on to the next stage of processing and that's where we find fiona in the buyer who's just laid out some fleece to dry the air was full (laughs) of sheepy scent you've been busy yes so what is this wool that you've been washing today tv at cross so m1 the softest I kind of want to roll in it. I won't. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> it's lovely. So that one's just come out today, so that's it'll be dry by tomorrow. That's beautiful. So what's the process? Top loader washing machine. They take seven and a half kilos at a time. Basically, they come from the picker uh, to the washing machine, or from the stored wool after the picker. Mm. We weigh it. We wash it sometimes it needs a soak depending on the fibers so yeah. uh, the hebridean and do you soak the shetland as well fiona just depending on how greasy it mm. feels sometimes it does but with the new washing up liquid that we've got now yes we don't need to soak it as long as long mm-hmm. yeah what well, and what kind of temperature are you washing washing up i think it's about 55 yeah yeah people are always surprised how yeah how hot you can yeah can go we do need it hotter for specifically for the greasy uh, yeah. wools, and we're at the moment we just have a domestic, um, large scale domestic boiler. But we we need something more powerful than that. Really, it doesn't give enough hot water for both machines to be on, or for two washes a day. Really, and is that what your windmills are helping with? The windmills are really just feed-in tariff, um, but we have one connected to the um, shed and one connected to the mill. This um, is incredible. It's yeah. Building. <laughs> yeah. So we dry everything passively. At the moment, drying it in an old buyer with meter-thick walls of stone isn't isn't the quickest process. We have these dehumidifiers on the go all the time, um, and we've got it down to two days mm-hmm. um, for drying with a sort of an interference and a rejig yeah. refluff mm-hmm. in the middle. The loft in the in the mill will eventually become the drying shed. A bit quicker. Yeah. In the winter, it usually takes four days. So we're raising money at the moment, trying to get funding to uh, install a bigger boiler mm-hmm. with um, air source heat transfer instead so that we can get water up to temperature okay. more frequently. So I think it'll be two boilers. We, we've got we've got half the funding from um, the South US estate, um, Storis, but we need to match that. Yeah. And we're still applying for that. So we'll see what happens. Fingers crossed. Because as, as I say, it really is a bottleneck at the moment in the yeah, process. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, there's a lot of sort of waiting for fleece to be ready to spin. So 
Oh, this is when you want the warm weather to be, to be coming along, but I can't imagine how it must jam things up in the winter. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes you come in, the dehumidifiers are maybe a bit full, but yeah. they're also reading 99% moisture. So <laughs> Whereas today they're reading, what, 50 The mill itself is small but perfectly formed. Mill staff Neil, Maddie and Toby, who was visiting from Nakando Mill, were busy processing some coloured Shetland fleece. It was glorious. This was going through another fear knot, a much bigger version than the one we saw in the wool shed. Wow, at the beginning of the line, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, recently washed um, the wash house and uh, down here. This is a blend of Shetland by the looks of it. Lovely and into the hopper, which used to be on the card line, but was kind of dumping at a slightly erratic weight. Uh, it's now uh, on the, fe- the fear knot. So yeah, the, the wee fear knot that we had up in the, wash- in the wool shed, we've got a giant version in here. That, another vintage piece. Oh yes, this is more like Victorian. It's a bit of a bear moth, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah incredible bits of machinery and yeah. it's just engineering at its best. I was really struck by the different machinery that was used in the mill. These pieces are not only things of beauty, but you can't help be struck by the fact that many of these machines are part of Britain's first age of the textile industry and now they're being put to use in this artisan mill. The stories they could tell. You've got a real mixture of different ages of machinery. Absolutely, yeah. we have. So you're, you're looking at probably the, the widest range. So we've got the Victorian Fear Noughts with uh, an Edwardian hopper on there uh-huh. and the brand new uh, mini mill yeah. spinning machine, which we use for plying. And then the cone winder and the skein winder are sort of 60s, 70s pieces. So. The next day I got a chance to speak to mill technician Maddie and she was just about to start carding that Shetland blend. So you're going to be doing some carding today then? Yeah, we just started something up yesterday with a new, with a new blend. From, from a, a pale Shetland to a... Still quite pale Shetland, but... <laughs> <laughs> the, varying, the varying degrees of pale Shetland yes, that there can be. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, we don't have an official official name for it. Um, I think Toby's blend sounds quite good. To I think that yeah. sounds excellent. Yeah. I think that yeah. sounds wonderful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and is it going to be double net or Aran? Or? Uh, I think it's a relatively small batch. It's We've only got 26 kilos, so okay. we thought we'll just stick to DK because that's what we sell more of. Normally we do like put in about 50 to 60 kilos. We prefer to do that but because of that we only had a small batch of Shetland from uh, Croft Run Sky and because there was some lovely colours we'd rather split it into two batches to get um, two tones. We don't um, get much Shetland wool. We, we get a bit excited when we get some brown tones. <laughs> um, try to make the most of it. Yeah. Um, Maddie shows me the carding machine and a lovely big bag of different wool and this is what's come off the machine after each job. So we've just uh, started sending it through so this will um, either be recycled or uh-huh. um, so I've got this bag here where Ooh. everything Ooh, this is I know um, <laughs> and it's like layers in here of different colors from all the different batches and uh, the reason we're not spinning this is because we're 
changing from a batch to another. So there'll oh, be yeah. a tonal difference and then there can be variations in weight. Oh, yeah. And uh, so uh, we'll either recycle it, but what we can also do, one of the first things when we, we started, uh, when we came here and started carding, was I wanted to be able to take these off. So we've um, adapted these flanges on the yeah. bobbins to uh, so we can slide the slapping cakes off. Oh. And particularly these when we're changing, um, uh, when we're changing, so you get a, a different color in the middle. Um, they're quite popular with... These slubbing cakes are pencil roving of different blends and natural colours and you can actually buy them in the US mill shop. They are quite lovely and again, fantastic that nothing goes to waste. So how did you get, come to working here? Well, uh, I, I studied textiles in Sweden and tailoring uh, mainly and went on a visit to Mull 12 years ago to visit a um, weaving mill because I was interested in the material I was using mm. and where it was made and where it came from rather than just going to a shop and then ended up working as a weaver in the same mill for six years and then I um, heard of this project and thought that was a very interesting uh, project and being able to see something from from the really early stage and um being part of restoring machinery that has had hadn't been used for a long yeah. time, um, and learning That's a project from project in itself, it's, I hasn't, know, it yeah. sounds like it's been a an incredible thing to just get it yeah. all working and yeah, the opportunity to learn from some of the brilliant engineers that have come down to help us. Um, yeah. So it's not just been the the wool and the textiles, but it's been the technical engineering side yeah. of things as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think we've all had our fair share of uh, when the machinery first came up was about four years ago so we all had a, a fair share of uh, just Head cleaning scratching. rust off it <laughs> yeah. uh, several weeks of just yeah. brushing and scraping and just to get it back into looking good and then and then we could start trying to figure out <laughs> so no wonder you were impatient to get yeah. the yarn off I can yeah. imagine after all that of hard work of getting yeah. it back up to scratch mm-hmm. what's your favorite thing about about working at useful all of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best answer. <laughs> uh, no, and I think because it's a, a small mill and a small team and everyone has to be able to sort of know a little bit of everything and work together mm. and it's a lot of overlap and you don't come in and stand at the same machine all day or um, so. Yeah. It must be wonderful to, to do, you know, to see the whole process from the fleece up and then yeah. get that finished all the way it's like to a happy customer yeah and then you get to knit with it yourself yeah i knit Mm -hmm. uh, and i don't weave so much anymore i kind of miss it but um plenty of knitting and it's brilliant to be able to experiment with different wools and think about what blends you can do having to work with what you got you have to be quite um, creative yeah it must be an incredible (laughs) journey of discovery to see what comes next yeah Before we venture into the shop, I asked Hazel about the core yarn ranges and we talked about the importance of small batch, limited edition yarn and how they can talk so strongly of where they've come from. We try to have sort of a core of, you know, a a red tonal range Mm -hmm. uh, from white to black and and mid greys, but then there's a few sort of special special effects <laughs> um, that we've got that we'd like to keep as well uh, so the roche that you've just been knitting yeah. with and the frass as well that Dan has just knitted a sweater in 
which we can recreate that effect quite nicely. But then everything else is a special edition because, uh, as I say, we graded that Shetland down to a kilo of light grey. So <laughs> some some things we just make, I don't know, 40 skeins of or That's even wonderful. less. It's a wonderful thing because it, visual, small produce will, it's a, it's a limited thing anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Flocks are limited. Um, so every year it's going to be slightly different with, with just one clip from one flock yeah. but then you, that's what's so incredibly special about small produce small scale Absolutely. yarns because you get these gems that no one else is making there's this emphasis on making something special with a special yarn you know that's something mm. that you can look back and go you know where that came from sometimes you can know who the sheep you know, yes, yeah, absolutely. We, we can That's... tell you what the sheep ate, if you know. <laughs> a lot of the time, you know, we can say, okay, they, they were from him, they're macha sheep, they were probably eating, you know, wildflowers. And... That's amazing. <laughs> No, that's, I think that's part of the story that for years in, in commercial spin British it was invisible it was just here's your wool mm-hmm. you know there wasn't yeah. this story and people so want to connect with that now I think you know. so yeah I think especially when there's a sort of disparity of living in a city which you know I, I love the city and uh, but you do feel very disconnected from the, mm-hmm. the countryside these days and especially places like this uh, mm-hmm. the islands you, you don't really know how it is and if you can learn that story yeah in the process of knitting a garment, you can knit something and connect with another place. And it's, it's, it's storytelling. Amazing. It is, and it connects you. So it's much to not just your craft, but to the story of where your rules come from yeah. and, and, you know, and then where that might go, you know, mm-hmm. you know who, who you might give that to and that goes on. Yeah, exactly. Gathers more meaning it's and it's lovely. an incredible thing. And you're knitting something that's going to last. Yeah. You know, that's the joy of all that it... it just last forever and you can darn it and yeah. you can uh you know patch something onto it but it will keep you for decades yeah, and that will pass more. on to people yeah exactly and so we'll tease you no longer it's time to go to the shop the shop yes wow the wool center has an incredible shop with all the yarns that are produced there Garments and items created in used wool, kits, tweeds, and other incredible wool products. It's amazing! What a great showroom! Okay. Sort of been developing it over the last few months, sort of getting it ready for the, the tourist season. Yeah, trying to sort of show off what we do in a creative way, try and sort of display it as a as a unique product. And such a lot of lovely yarn. <laughs> Talk me through some of these different yarns. Oh, I really love the natural white. It's not sort of as in vogue as the greys, but the white knits up really nicely. And the the Tarishka sweater sample over there, that's and that's edited in the Joe, which is pure textile. Pure textile. Yeah, which has got this lovely, fluffy sort of cloudy haze around the edge. It of does. It. It's just really nice. I think it has it has more of a kind of a halo than people would. Yeah, I think, mm-hmm. and I think it's so fantastic to have. You can see the yarn, but then you can see what it looks like knit up. But that fills up such a lot of misunderstanding for people, I yeah. think, mm-hmm. because I think there is really that cool. whole, oh, I've squashed it. It's a bit sturdy, maybe, maybe mm-hmm. not for me. And then you see it like that, and yeah. that it's, you know, an incredible. It's difficult as well when with the squishing of the skein that some of our yarns here were the earliest ones that we did and they were twisted slightly differently you know we've got looser skein twisters mm-hmm. now you know <laughs> and so it will feel tighter in the skein whereas if you've got a knitted swatch of it it's not been you know twisted no. uh, or knotted at all so you can really feel exactly how the, how the yarn knits yeah. um, 
and it, it's a better example of it. So just even for, you know, just the way that you twist it and knot it up yeah. makes a huge difference. Um, another of my favorites is Lars, this one, Scotch Mule. Maybe feels a bit crisp, but because we've spun it in this four ply way, it's got such a gorgeous twist in it. The luster of the fiber, it just it makes me drool. I absolutely love it. And then we've got the last glass, uh, it has a bit of um, black Wensleydale <sighs> twisted in it. And this is a really good example of um, sort of um, short supply. You know, we we just had some um, some of these fibers as a donation, as an experiment for something. We we may never ever get it again. We don't have any of these on the island, but mm -hmm. we've just made the most of it, spun this incredible yarn, which I just... That is beautiful. Yeah. It's kind of one that I will always tell people about and then go, oh, I hope they don't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to keep that one. It, it must be so hard, <laughs> making all this incredible yarn and then having to sell it. <laughs> Like, this could just be the most wonderfully yes. curated wool yes. museum. You care of that now. <laughs> Have you seen people coming back showing yeah. you what they've made uh -huh. with the wool? That it's starting to come now, which is great. And, and the first that we saw of that was an Edinburgh Yarn Festival, and that was really lovely. I think that was a bit emotional for Dana because she's really seen this from, from the very start, and she's worked everything you know for me it's wonderful to see but you know it really means something for, for the rest of the team and it's if you have a project for a lot of the time you only start seeing it from as much as you do like the hard work or the admin the graph you know you're making a wonderful thing but when then other people come and say oh my word yeah. or make something with it that must Absolutely. be an amazing thing yeah I think we were very anxious going down to Edinburgh not knowing what what people would think of it as you say you know British wool ooh, is that going to be a bit you know crisp is that you know yeah. are people wanting natural things colours you know what 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 is the reception going to be and it was just phenomenal mm -hmm. it was really overwhelmingly good and uh, yeah we were blown away this is a gorgeous Gandhi this yeah, is the Eriske jumper yeah. mm -hmm. Cast your mind back to when I talked about Gansies on the podcast. The Eriske Gansey is very particular to the Western Isles and it was incredible to see one knit up in the mill's own five-ply yarn. Amazing. Yeah, it's an incredible piece of work. Wow. Yeah. So That's incredible. I, I honestly think it's the most beautiful Gansey. You know, the most... I won't say elaborate because it makes it sound like it's a fancy mm. thing and it's a work yeah. piece of workwear but I really do think that every the, inch is just it's amazing that's um it's our five oh, yeah, five viola, which is a, a, a type of boat that's uh, so it's got a nice connection there because it's yes fancy, of course yeah that's brilliant. Who comes up with the names? Uh, we try to do it collectively, really. We yeah. sort of use a dictionary. We try to <laughs> word that, that we, you know, we say, okay, so it's like, it's so fluffy, it's like a cloud. Can we, what's the Gallic for cloud? And then we go, oh no, that, that's so unpronounceable. <laughs> <laughs> try something else. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's very good. It's very descriptive. That's another connection, isn't it? To, to where it's come from. Yeah. Any fleece that you've used that's been surprising, that's, you know, been either not done what you wanted to do, but turned out differently? <laughs> um, I think the Scottish Merino, absolutely having the, the neps in there was a really fabulous happy accident. Making the most of that has, has been really interesting. That's and beautiful. the yarn that we have ended up with is just... Well, overwhelmingly beautiful. It's so yeah. it's mm. so tweedy. I mean, it's just yeah. it, mm -hmm. oh, it's gorgeous and it's so know. soft. Yes, uh huh. And this is a good uh, display of our grading as well. Yeah, so we've, we've got white and sort of an oatmeal-y 
pale brown blend and then a darker blend. In terms of that um, grading, because we had a lot of the white fleece, we've got a lot of the white yarn, whereas the glass, the grey, mm -hmm. uh, which is a lovely pale grey, we have it's beautiful. We have three skeins of that left because we, we only spun so little of it. But, you know, we can do that. We can make yeah. the small batches and, and produce the right yarn rather than, you know, having exactly the same number of skeins of everything to ending up with a more of a blend. I think it's, it's better to have range yes. and uh, make the most of it. Definitely. Totally. And what's this really, really, really dark? The really, really dark is pure Hebridean. Um, so that's really, oh, that's really lovely. delicious dark chocolate. Good 80% cocoa. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. And then is this, this cloth made from? The cloth is Harris Tweed. From our own um, weaving yarns. They were originally done um, when we were a project. So a funded project before mm -hmm. we were trading which only, we only started doing last year. Mm -hmm. So we commissioned some of the Harris Tweed weavers to make us some, some tweeds. And so they're stamped and sealed and, you know, finished at the mills. Bonafide Harris Tweeds and wow. they're just beautiful. They're really stunning things. Stunning yeah. quality. What about the designs? Because um, you sell them as the patterns and you sell them as kits. Yep, absolutely. So we have three sweater designs, uh, Tarishka, Lovage and Seerak. Um, they were all designed by In a Wild, Flora Kennedy, based on, in the US. Mm -hmm. And she, we commissioned those uh, from her. They're really, she's an incredibly creative knitter yeah. and knitwear designer. She's She did work for the Outlander series. And yeah, just really interesting and unusual designs and she's done these three stunning sweaters for us which we just love and people are really keen on we sell them as kits in the in the yarns that we have the samples in but we can also make up kits for people too if they want any other yarn and is that something that you'll be doing more of having more patterns absolutely on? yep um so it's it's really a case of finding the people to do it really and uh, we really look for something that's going to speak about the yarn and about the island that sort of is a bit elemental yeah uh, because the island is so sort of raw in that sense um and yeah just just something that will really show off the yarns to their best which floras have done a really good job this lovage yeah. one is just gorgeous it's amazing, um, isn't it? just this beautiful deep yeah. rib all the way around and yes. that gorgeous pico edging on the neck it's yeah. so simple but it's so stunning that's uh, in sheen which is a gorgeous storm gray so it's a fantastic sort of dark rugged color which was just a it was a mixed blend so when we do the spinning quite a lot of the time there's fiber that a fiber that's not quite made it through the machines and we collect all of that up and we spin it again as a huge blend brilliant uh, we call it a yarn over that's excellent and this was a yarn over um, Sheehan and it's made this it's, be, it's such a beautiful yeah, texture absolutely. really lovely texture gorgeous I've worn this a few times it's not crisp really to, no. to, to wear it's great and the hats are gorgeous as well I think hat is a really good way just to try up try up some wool yep. these are lovely these were all from uh, Linda Johnson who, who has a flock of uh, Blackwash Mountain mm -hmm. the most prolific knitter I've ever made in my life she just <laughs> she never stops but she's she's done these patterns for us um so we've got uh, the ripple hats which we sell as kits and as as a pattern which is cable oh design. that's beautiful yeah uh, knitted in, in gorgeous dark calamar there and then there's the furrow which is a really nice beginner's hat yes so, perfect yeah, just a, a two by two in a chunky 
Um, and then a couple above that of um, what were really sort of test pieces, yeah. just trying the yarn in uh, in our earlier days. One of which I tend to wear on the croft quite a lot. <laughs> walking the dog, um, which I love, which is in the sheer bin, lovely. Um, and the furrow hat again in the super chunky, which I love. Actually, I'm trying to get Linda to adapt that so that we can sell that as a pattern because yeah. I think that's a perfect sort of beginner's piece, you know. Yes, just start a kit. Definitely. Um, super chunky, really easy to knit with. Beautiful. Um, yeah, it's really lovely. Yeah, big fluffy excellent. white hat. And our super chunky is uh, it's called Chloe, which is a uh, cloud. Oh, these are all just so beautiful. Then my eye was drawn to the new yarns brought out to accompany the Rorscht and Frass yarns. Yes, yeah, so we had Frass and we had Rorscht for for a few years as part of the sort of the training process. We learned about those. Um, Frass has this lovely silver birch effect when mm. it's knitted up. These, um, really nice little dark flecks and stripes through the, the natural cream mm. um, and we decided that they needed sister yarns so we made um, the Contri which is Neap Tide Spring Tide of Rocht much subtler gradients from dark grey to light grey rather than from black to white is and it is it the same Zorbles and Cheviot or is it slightly um, this is Hebridean and just gives you a slightly different grey um, to the Zorbles um, and then <gasps> Gila. That's lovely. As the sister Frass, which is swapless and uh, Chivia again. Um, so it's kind of a negative, rich dark brown. Oh, it's gorgeous. Uh, with the white. Flex. In the same way that self patterning yarns are really appealing, these are just, I mean, to see what effect you get in watching it form as you knit yeah. up. This it's is really good amazing. Fun. Yeah. yeah. So going, ooh, is it going to, ooh, here comes the white bit. <laughs> yeah. How much am I going to get a stripe yeah. or a bit of a pool? That's yeah. lovely. Yeah. yeah. They're really fabulous, yeah. And again, lovely and soft. Mm hmm. Bouncy. Spring that we seem to get in the in the yarns from the, the machines, just amazing. I yeah. don't think I've ever seen yarn that springs in the way that no. ours does. It's got it's this got, real it's bounce. got really nice and yieldy. Yeah. Um, bites to it it's which amazing. makes a lovely drape again yeah so. yeah the fabric is gorgeous as well uh -huh, yeah the, the wrap so we that was a collaboration well we we commissioned those um from um our dalinish weavers who um wove the cloth for us we sent them the yarn and asked that's for beautiful what we and, yeah they did these fabulous things we've also we've just got one uh, sample of it back uh, we sent some of the Kanach yarn the Scottish Merino to um, Sam Goats uh, woven in the bone and she's made us these incredible wraps right? as I say we've only got one sample so far they're just unbelievably beautiful they're, they're so sort of fine and oh mm, yes yeah, that's it. <laughs> words can't describe <laughs> yeah um, it's incredible it is brilliant hi there <laughs> welcome the wool centre and shop are open from Monday to Friday, 10 till 5. And in the summer months, they're also open on a Saturday from 10 till 1. During July and August on Fridays from 2 to 3, you can also get to look behind the scenes and go into the mill and meet some of the staff. If you're visiting Uist, you really, really don't want to miss the chance to see these yarns and the incredible work that's going on here. For those of us not so lucky as to be able to visit Uist, you can find all their yarns, their blog and a wealth of information about Uist Wool at www.uistwool.com. You can even become a friend of Uist Wool and pay £5 for a lifetime membership to support the ongoing development and work at the mill. 
some of you may have been lucky to have visited Diana and Hazel at Woolfest and got to see the yarns, the tweeds and the garments for yourself. They quite rightly won the Stallholders Prize at Woolfest this year. When you see the stall and you visit the shop and even the online shop, there is such an elemental aesthetic and oh, those incredible yarns. There have been more yarns added to the range since I visited and you can find them online. I'm particularly drawn to the Vrishkin Dark Cheviot and the Troon, which is an incredible Shetland, which might have been what was being created the day that I was there. Here at Knit British, it's always my aim to take you on a journey to see just what is happening with British wool and really champion the passion, skills, knowledge and artistry of small-scale providers. And Uist Wool truly is one of those who are themselves championing local wool, championing the crofter and giving them more income for their clip, making them more aware of the value that's in their fleece. Then they take those precious breeds and blends and create exceptional yarns, artfully created, created with the knowledge that hand-knitting wool is special, it is valuable and we covet it so much as being a local, sustainable, traceable, cast-honourable material. Do visit usedwool.com and follow them on social media where you can really see a snapshot of what's going on there at the mill and the work that they're doing. Thank you so much to Uist Wool for having me, for being so hospitable and generous with your time and your knowledge. This trip really has stayed with me and I really look forward to the next time I can visit. To keep me going until then, I did make some purchases at the Uist Wool shop. I've got my Canach, the Scottish Merino. I've got Contrai, that subtle ombre of Cheviot and Hebridean. I've got Cheer, big, bouncy, beautiful Black Welsh Mountain DK. And when I was there, I got to visit Linda and meet the Black Welsh Mountain sheep who gave their fleece to this yarn. I've got my Gila, that swarbles with a peppering of Cheviot. And I've got the last glass, a Scottish mule uh, with some Wensleydale. Incredible yarns with a story behind them and a story yet to tell. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this trip to Uistool as much as I have. Thanks for listening to the Knit British Podcast. You can find more information, links and images at the show notes at knitbritish.net. Subscribe to the Knit British Podcast on iTunes or find me on your favourite podcatcher. Sign up at nipitish.net to receive new posts and episodes straight to your inbox. The music used in this special episode was by Dr Turtle and you can find that on Free Music Archive. Music used is shared under the Creative Commons licence.